Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are sort of a version of my journals out loud. And today, I believe, is a Friday, February 23rd, 2024. Uh, world on fire. Deep breath in through our nose, cleaning out that old air. And if you are new, welcome. We're kind of maneuvering our way through the world of chaos and crazy sort of one process thought at a time. And uh, what I wanted to go over with you today, I've kind of been avoiding uh, making a podcast because I read this post by this gal, this young gal, and it just really hit home because it's a lot of what I think about. And uh, it makes it awkward to know how to move forward when, you know, we're, uh, filtering our world through want and don't want, but it's really hard when what you want and what you don't want collide because the world is so insane. It's very difficult to know what is real, what is true, what is the best way forward, what's a value, why am I even here, right? All these questions, because I overthink everything, you know, are, are brewing and then I just become stuck. I don't even know how to move forward. And, uh, at the same time, you know, I'm doing my own little stuff in my own mind contemplating. And, you know, I've come to you saying, I really want to focus on the nervous system because it is really how we move through this world. And we have so much uncertainty and so much fear and and concern about that's extremely legitimate. I mean, there's nothing going on that isn't real, that's scary. It's not like, you know, you're just imagining things, right? The conspiracy is over. It's now about, oh my God, what am I going to do? And how do I manage this? And, you know, we all check out to a certain degree because there's only so much you can take on every, any given day. And you have to deal with your normal life. And, you know, one of the things that I've tried to do with you is to draw the parallel between what happens in us in our tiny little micro world one on one is just, you know, uh, manifested at the macro level, you know, country on country. And it's all the same stuff. And, you know, we don't have a lot of control or power over managing the great big stuff. You know, our focus tends to be on what is our tiny little circle. And within that tiny little circle, it feels like there's getting less and less things that we have any control over. And, you know, I'm using that word control because, you know, I've been thinking a lot about uh, different ideas and how we move forward and, and, uh, what good does all of this do? Because it feels pointless in so many ways. But at the same time, you know, there's a part of me that knows absolutely it's the power of processing that really creates change, not focusing on outcome. Uh, you know, it's the internal presence where peace needs to lie, not controlling everything around us to have peace. And, you know, this push-pull pause, you know, I was you know, the way I keep talking about it, because it's simple. It's something that is across humans and animals and children, and it's nonverbal, and it allows us to 
to understand our world beyond uh, English or whatever our first language is. And it gives us a way to seek to understand and connect if that's something that's important. But it's not important to everybody. And, you know, I get most people are so busy with their real life, they don't really have time maybe to sit around and think about these things. Or, you know, they're not wired to think about these things. I have a brain that is very specific to thinking about these things. And so I've tried to to shift into sharing that kind of stuff to me that's really important and valuable, you know, with the understanding it's not always important and valuable to anybody else. And uh, and so I've done a five-minute intro to, you know, where what are, why are we here? What are we talking about? And, uh, you know, one of, what I tend to do is kind of focus on a word and then what the ramifications and the expansion around that word is. And uh, the one that I'm kind of bumping up against right now is this idea of feeling and being powerless. Uh, I talked about the difference between feeling safe and being safe, but I think what's really underneath the fear of safety and security is this awareness of everything that we're powerless or we feel powerless versus being powerless. And you know, we're in a period of time where we also have spiritual truths being talked about that, you know, you're very powerful and you have the ability to manifest and create anything and everything. And then we think, okay, yay. And I manifested a red car and I'm magical and everybody should listen to me because I'm so good at this. And, and how, you know, in the world around us, we're seeing vast differences between people who are still being financially successful versus people who are becoming less financially successful, you know, depending on your health. There's lots of things happening around people's health, uh, jobs, homes. Some people are doing really well and some people are losing everything. And that is terrifying. It's very much an overwhelming sense of powerlessness when we look at what we're really vulnerable about. And I think, you know, one of the things that's going on with us collectively is this awareness of how many things we are vulnerable to and powerless over that we really hadn't ever thought about, you know, our food supply, uh, we just had the cell phones go out. Mine didn't go out, so I wasn't even aware that was a problem. But I guess there was a great big AT&T outage and how dependent we are on phones and internet. And, and you know, when I started my journey out to the world, uh, you know, one of the visuals I have for this process, you know, of, of how simple can I go is I always love this image of Jeremiah Johnson, right? All he had was his horse, his knife, his gun, and a blanket. And out he went. And he trapped, you know, and came in and traded fur for supplies and back out. And there, and there you go. And there's just something about that that feels attractive because you are still vulnerable, but you feel strong, you feel capable, you feel competent, uh, you feel like you can survive, even though it is 
a very harsh way of living. But, you know, we, we have these mountain men who went out into the mountains and did these amazing things through these horrific conditions. And uh, I, you know, I read the story of the guy who, I can't, I can't remember his name now, that inspired the Jeremiah Johnson story. And he was considered one of the most famous mountain men. And yet he, he, he was crazy. You know, he would go out and do these crazy things. But he actually didn't do it for very long. And he ended up, you know, like going back to Missouri and just being a farmer and then dying of some kind of tuberculosis or something. So, you know, we have this romantic thing and we have this wishful thing and we have a, uh, a cultural misunderstanding thing, you know, about what, what, what was real and what's movies. And, and we've been manipulated to, I think, believe we're more powerful than we are in many ways. And we've been manipulated to, to be less powerful than we really are in other ways. And so we're in this weird place of trying to sort things out while at the same time trying to juggle real life, you know, the basics of day in and day out. And, you know, when you boil it all down, those little tiny day in and day out interactions really show you what you have uh, mastery or control over and what you don't. But because it's day in and day out, and it's so subtle, and it's happening over the course of a day, that we dismiss it because we're so busy just moving forward and trying to get everything done, or we're conditioned to not think about it, or we're distracted uh, about other stuff that we don't like take a beat and step back and look at what our tiny interactions are telling us about ourselves, number one, and two, is that important? And I believe it is. I don't believe in perfect. Uh, you know, that was kind of how I started this conversation. Before I got to powerless, I was into perfect because, you know, I had, I have this thing going on with the dogs and being in it around anybody else. And there's this thing that happens around perfection. And that's what we've been manipulated with social media about how you have a perfect life. And, you know, I, one of the reasons I try to offer balance to this kind of lifestyle is that the idea that it's perfect versus the real risks involved, but those same risks also go on in everybody's home. There is no perfectly safe world, but we sell the image or the idea of perfection. And then I think when things don't go perfect or they're not fabulous or people have a hollowness, you know, we're seeing that with social media is there's a new thing with the Gen Zers I ran across where they're deleting all their social media because they're realizing it's not giving them this illusion of what they think they're supposed to have. So now they're all, you know, falling in line and doing the little ones are doing, uh, sorry, the dogs are activating. Um, you know, well, maybe now I'll be happy if I delete all my social media. And, and so we're, you know, we're constantly moving and push, pull, pause, right? Oh God, sorry. Uh, this idea of chasing some kind of perfect and then bumping up I think also about all these places where we are actually powerless 
or we feel powerless. And how do you manage all that at the same time, you know, trying to deal with the day in and day out of real life? And is it important? Again, you know, I think there's just so many ways to be in this world and there's so many different stages we're in. And I think one of the most powerful things we can do as we age is step back and really think about the conditioning and think about things and look at ourselves and dig into this process more about who we are and do we like who we are uh, and do we want to change who we are uh, as it relates to what's happening around us to reflect back to us who we are. But what we mostly do is project, uh, project onto others what we don't want to look in ourselves. And, and that's pretty much, you know, what everybody's doing. And the awareness factor, you know, of that is very low. And for people who are very sensitive to that, they uh, can overcompensate, right? Trying to manage uh, how other people feel and all these things. And And, you know, I feel like we're bouncing back between this idea of this illusion of seeking some kind of perfection. Uh, And I, you know, when I thought, well, I want to talk about that because, you know, that's a real thing, especially for women is trying to be perfect uh, and letting go of this idea of perfect. But then there's this other side of what, how many things we're powerless about and how scary that is. And I see that, uh, a lot of where the men are falling apart because, you know, men as, as, uh, our world changes have become feeling less and less powerful because the rules are changing and how we're all reacting to these ideas of, you know, seeking an unachievable perfection, uh, being frustrated as we feel more and more powerless, you know, aging is that way. And that, you know, as your body becomes weaker, there's a sense of powerlessness there. Like I can't, you know, I never really felt worried too much about my physical safety because one-on-one, you know, I was strong and, you know, I'm as tall as a guy and I can hold my own. But now that I'm becoming weaker or I'm more aware of these group attacks, I'm feeling infinitely more vulnerable and powerless because there's nothing you can do. You know, the fantasy that you can, you know, kick butt with 10 people surrounding you, you know, that's a highly staged event on television or or movies, not real. And, you know, I remember seeing that in the riots and these dumb guys pulling out a bow and arrow on a crowd or a sword on a crowd and then just getting pummeled because, you know, they're not in the real world. They're just, you know, they're in fantasy land, you know, being manipulated by all of our Uh, TV shows and our movies that somehow, you know, one guy with a sword can take on an entire crowd. And, and it's just, I think it just is showing, you know, so many things are showing us ourselves. And it's really scary. And that to me, you know, also makes me feel really powerless. And, you know, the last video I made, the statistics, you know, about violence against women is terrifying. And how vulnerable and powerless women feel, especially when you're locked behind closed doors and nobody knows what's going on and you want to look perfect to the outside world, but there's 
terrifying things going on in your real world, but you can't do, you know, what do you do about it? And, you know, we will say, get up and leave. Well, it's just not anybody who's been in an abusive relationship knows you don't just get up and leave. It's very difficult to get away from yourself. And, you know, and I spent a lot of time thinking about that, like the only real stress response to danger that we have in the presence of physical dominating violence is to run. Now, just as a side note for all of us, as a side, uh, if you are in a situation like that, uh, and statistically it shows if you fight, like if you're in a rape situation and you fight back, uh, you have actually less incident of PTSD than if you just don't do anything. And then for a long time, women were told, just accept what's happening and hope that you live through it. That's your job is to just lie back and take it. Don't fight it. Uh, and now, you know, we've moved past that. And I've seen this magical transformation with little girls fighting back. And it doesn't mean everything goes okay, but the the long-term effect of planting a new seed creates big change. And, you know, Oprah Winfrey did that when she brought some guy on and he said, you know, the most important thing for anybody, man or woman, is never go to the second location. And and that's become something permeated in the mass cultural thinking process. And it's not about being famous like Oprah and getting a word out and things change. It's about me and you sitting here, taking a moment to step back and make that silent connection in your own mind and heart and body about what what do you have power over what would you like to change about feeling powerless uh what would you like to maybe let go of in terms of perfection it's it happens within us one thought one person at a time but because we can't see it it's easy to devalue this idea of what it means to process this stuff within our own mind and heart and life because nobody else, quote unquote, knows about it. And uh, one of the things that I thought would be a great way to illustrate that, why one person at a time having these thoughts creates waves of change and that there's value in doing this, even if there's no witness in your lifetime. And that is this, the dog parks. And uh, you've heard me talk about, uh, you know, I started taking the dogs to the dog parks uh, to get their energy out. And I don't know why I hadn't thought about that before. And uh, when I was in California 80,000 years ago with my first dog, uh, we had the beginnings of our first dog park. I thought it was actually the first dog park ever, but in doing some research, uh, the first dog park, I think, was in 1967 in California. And this was in the 90s. So it was quite some time afterwards. And I think, I can't even remember. I know I was like, it must have been right before I moved to Phoenix. And uh, it was a huge deal to get permission by the city and to get it through the the or the legal process within the town and insurance and, you know, the risks and everybody arguing for and everybody arguing against. And it was an excruciating process. And eventually, you know, it got put into place and we had a dog park. 
And I, you know, proceeded after I left there, there was no more dog park. So I didn't really think a lot about it. And at some point, you know, in the last uh, couple travel sessions, I'm like, oh, dog parks. Uh, when I was down uh, in Alamogordo last spring, dog parks, it was awesome. And and so I started to, to look around and all of a sudden, if you look on Google Maps, there's all these dog parks. And they started in 1967 with one person having a thought about starting a dog park and how that has become ubiquitous, right? They're everywhere. There's multiple ones in every city. And there's still, you know, people who hate them, people who love them. Uh, and I'm fascinated with the evolution of them, like what they look like, you know, how people are managing the different problems with the dog parks, uh, the pros, the cons, how people uh, still function within the dog park. And this to me is the hilarious part, sidebar, nothing to do with this podcast. Uh, I always, you know, walk the dog because the dog bonds with you when you walk. And once they created dog parks, people just started standing around and the dogs were supposed to just go out and play. And so people stopped walking their dogs when they went to the dog park. And in all of that time, nothing has changed. I found one dog park in Lake Havasu that actually had a walking path. But, you know, out of uh, 10 people, two people were walking on the walking path. Everyone else just sits around and watches their dog, quote unquote, play. So, you know, the good news is it creates a good place for the dog. The bad news is now the people have stopped walking. They just take their dogs to the dog park and sit. So, but I thought it's such an example of how one person had a thought and then, you know, 67 to now, however, you know, 50, almost 50 years later, how many dog parks there are. So it's hard when you have just a thought to feel like it has any value. But there's tremendous value in taking that time to really process some of the tiny things that happen with you. And, you know, this idea between being perfect and feeling powerless or powerlessness is so important, especially right now, because you know, we're in this world of illusion with artificial intelligence creating fantasy perfection, not real perfection, just whatever they're, the manipulation of perfection. And at the same time, feeling and becoming in a real way more and more powerless as more and more control is sought. And one of the ways we react collectively to fear is to freeze up and just not do anything because statistically more people are run away, freeze people, then fight people. And we're having this really unique thing happen in a big way instead of a bunch of us having it in a micro way. So we're having a shared experience of uh, big things happening in our combined lifetime that almost never happens. And you know, for those of us who are kind of paying attention, it's hard to not get swept away in the monumentalness of it and feeling overwhelmingly powerless. But there's no difference between that feeling and what's going on in your life one-on-one. -on -one. And, you know, the question becomes, is it worth spending time thinking about 
Or, you know, are we just overwhelmed and too tired or it just doesn't feel good or it's boring or I don't care? You know, there's lots of ways to look at this. I personally have to believe it counts because the only way you grow and change is to actually look as a reflection instead of focus on just projecting out and making everything everybody else's fault. And so, uh, you know, the example I wanted to share is the little dog park here. And it's no bigger than a yard, but there's grass. And I feel bad, you know, because the dogs are on the, the rocks. Uh, some places it's pretty smooth and sandy and other places there's great big rocks. But, uh, you know, they have so much energy. And so uh, I had to get water and ice yesterday. So I took them to the dog park for a little while. And uh, I've been trying to work with them to learn some freaking impulse control because they're just explosive. And, you know, we, some days, you know, we make progress and other days we don't, but they are just out of control when they're together and they're excited and they're still morning energy. So the worst combination is together, excitement about other people and other dogs and early in the morning with most of their energy. And so that's when I have the least amount of input or control over them, but everybody else seems to feel like they need to tell me all the things I'm doing wrong with my dogs. And, you know, they're projecting onto me. This is how you're a failure. This is what you need to do. Uh, and, you know, telling me how it is and what I should do. And, and while that was going on with somebody, uh, you know, I was aware my dogs were terrorizing that person's dogs. And I tried, I, I overcorrected them with my tone not because I was mad at them because I wanted that dog to correct them because obviously that's what needs to happen. You know, other dogs need to correct dogs, but that person was upset about what was happening with their dog. And so I was overcompensating with the tone of my voice with my dogs. And then the, the comment was, you know, you're yelling and I'm thinking, no, I really want to yell at you to back the F up off of my dog parenting skills because it had been going on for a while and um but I'm taking it out on the dogs and and so this is what happens at these tiny tiny little awarenesses and so this person is telling me what I'm doing wrong I am doing the best I can and you know the problem with the dogs is that you can't teach them how to behave with other people until you're around other people and the more people who feel the need to tell me everything I'm doing wrong with my dogs and how I need to fix it, the less I want to be around other people. And so I'm avoiding people with the dogs. And in my avoidance, they're becoming worse. Their behavior is regressing. And, it, you know, and this is how things happen. These are, you know, the subtle interaction with other people and how we displace our projection. And, and you know, and he's being, because he's, this person is in the conversations I've had with him, uh, you know, the couple of times I've seen him at the dog park, he is always telling me how he's getting into it with other people. And so this isn't just about this, you know, that's his thing. He judge judging everybody. And so, but I thought, you know, this is such an example, you know, where we're in a community dog park that took all this energy to create a good place for the dogs but people bring their personal crap in and 
you know, sometimes it's a great experience and sometimes it's a nightmare experience. And, and most of the time the dogs can work their own stuff out. But then as we step in and we project our crap or our beliefs or our personal issues about safety and fear onto the dogs, then the dogs get all weird and it becomes this great big mess. And so, uh, you know, I was like, I just want to go home and not do this anymore. And that's what happens to us right now because it's so wild and out of control in terms of what's going on out in the world. There's like, I don't want to deal with it. I just want to go home. But, but there's also this real thing that's happening that as the hammer comes down, we're expected to be more and more perfect. And if you break the rules, you're punished and you're penalized. And if you're not perfect, then you realize how powerless you are in the face of that imperfection. Uh, and that's, you know, one of the things that this lifestyle uh, teaches you is that uh, you're not, people are judging you because you're not perfect. You're not in a home. You're not uh, functioning the way most people function. Uh, therefore, we are we don't like you. There's judgment <clears throat> because you're not following the rules. You are pushing my comfort buttons. Uh, I'm powerless to stop you from doing this until, and so I pass more rules or regulation to create a greater degree of perfection. And so I can feel more safe in the perfection because I'm uncomfortable with feeling powerless over other uh, of your behavior and your actions. And and that's what we're in. You know, we're, we're in this great big soup of people sort of in fear and reacting with their push-pull-pause energy. And, you know, we're being manipulated with the social media about false ideas of perfection. And you have to promote this perfection if you want to actually win the algorithm game. And uh, you know, the disillusionment and then the fear of our discomfort when you're not perfect. Uh, and, you know, we project that onto people and then feeling completely powerless in so many ways. And that is only going to get worse, right? The powerlessness is just going to get worse because the standards of perfection are going to keep getting higher. And that's what social uh, control is. You have to act a certain way. You need to be perfect in order to you have permission to fly. You have to, the social credit system, you have to act a certain way to be perfect, to have permission to live. And that's what, you know, I think so many people like me are trying to find that balance. Like, I don't want to be a perfect social role model. Do I have permission to live? Uh, and the powerlessness to make those decisions and the powerlessness of others to make me conform. It's just this amazing soup. But, you know, when you strip it and boil it all down, it's as simple as, you know, me, one other person and one dog and my dogs having the same uh, interaction. Uh, you're not perfect. Your dogs are not perfect. I am judging your imperfection. Uh, and I'm powerless to do anything about it. So I react with anger, uh, trying to control and the whole thing just gets uncomfortable and everybody goes home. And 
that's just something that gets repeated over and over and over again. And so, uh, you know, I started all this in my mind with how do we let go of perfect? Uh, you know, and, and the worst part is, is we've created this idea of physical perfection. And, you know, part of aging is not only looking less perfect, but feeling more powerless because our strength is diminishing. Our value in culture and society is diminishing because we don't look young. We're not strong. We're not overly productive, right? We're diminishing uh, our return of productivity, and we are no longer as valuable in this current culture and society. And that creates a feeling of powerlessness. And, you know, we respond to powerlessness, trying to control. And, and so, like I said, it's, you know, it's happening within our mind, it's happening within our relationships, one-on-one, it's happening within our family, it's happening at work. And now it's happening to all of us globally, with the ability to watch it globally. We've never had the internet before where we could all watch what's happening to everybody everywhere. And, and the people trying to, to uh, manage and control the global side are feeling powerless to hide the truth. I mean, it's a, I mean, if you just could step back and right, just observe without having to live it, it's fascinating. Now, when you have to live it, it's excruciating because what do we have power over when we are becoming increasingly powerless to make decisions for ourselves? We're having more and more systems of control. And we saw that within the lockdowns. You know, we were we were made increasingly powerless in the face of a fear that was invisible. And you saw how people were reacting and we all kind of reacted very differently. And that's the stress response. Some people fought back. Some people froze up and just closed the door. Some people tried to run and hide and leave, you know, the boundary system. That's us all reacting to what we fear And the more and more control this tries to come in on us, the more powerless we feel. And to me, you know, there's two things that are really valuable about having the time and the energy to really just take a step and focus on this. One, you know, it helps me manage the dog so that I understand who and what I'm reacting to. And it's not about them. So I can separate that. Like I'm aggravated at that person. I'm not really aggravated at them because they weren't really doing anything. And uh, so I can make peace with myself about what's really happening. Uh, And then I have to make the decision about what I choose to have power and powerlessness over, right? Do I just avoid it altogether or do I just... Uh, avoid that person, which, you know, obviously you can't control when people show up or, you know, do I just let the chips fall? I mean, those are our decisions. That's the most power we have is the ability to make a decision. Uh, Or do I just come home and stew and blame that person and get angry and, you know, then take a kick the dog. You know, you've heard me talk about that. You know, the reason we kick the dog is when we feel powerless over 
what's going on out in the world, you know, we come home and that's why women and children and animals are so vulnerable as, you know, when the, the most powerful person feels powerless out in the world, then they come home and start kicking around whoever's in the house that has less power, not because anybody did anything wrong, but because of the frustration. That's, that's the projection versus reflection. That's saying, uh, I don't want to think about it. I just want to blame and project and push out and make other people responsible for while, how I feel. And I'm going to take it out on, I mean, that's all projection, pushing out energy, pushing out focus. Uh, you know, that's what violence in the home is. The, it's not about, you know, it's not about two brothers of equal size and weight going at it. I think there's, you know, just some reality about we get physically frustrated with each other versus, you know, I'm having a bad day at work. The boss psychologically kicked the crap out of me, made me feel like crap. So I'm going to come home and kick the crap out of the wife, the child, the dog, because I can't, I'm powerless to hit the person that's pissing me off. So I'm going to come home and hit the people uh, that can't hit me back. And that's, you know, I mean, that's an oversimplification, but that's kind of what's happening. And, and now we have a legal system that's uh, giving permission to do that without any consequence. And if we fight back, then we go to jail. I mean, it's just this fascinating thing that's going on. That's very terrifying to be uh, alive in because we're, we're all feeling this sinking terror of more and more powerlessness to control, to change, to survive, to navigate. You know, that was sort of the, the Jeremiah Johnson, right? Is you're reducing, uh, the things that you have to deal with that are insane to a smaller and smaller level, because, you know, as, as terrified as everybody is of nature, you know, my experience with nature and animals in the wild is they aren't insane and they have a set of rules and codes. And once you understand the elements and the wild animals, uh, you know how to manage it. It's people that are irrational and insane. And, and especially people with power who are insane, you know, that to me is the, what's hard to manage, not the wind. The wind is annoying, but the wind isn't having a personal agenda at, you know, effing my life up. It just blows in a certain direction. It stops and starts and you can manage that. You know, as much as I don't like the coyotes, they have a way of being until you have some guy feeding them and you're disrupting their wildness and you're altering the rules and creating, uh, you know, problems because you're changing the, the nature of things. And that's what we're seeing all around us, right? The more we try to control and manipulate everything around us, the more insane and crazy everything gets. And it's this balance between trying to create peace and perfection Versus all the things that we're completely powerless over and, and not lose our mind. You know, how many things can we juggle at one time? And, and we are going to fail. You know, that as good as the dogs can do with me, 
and nobody can see it, you know, the minute I get out in public, everybody feels the need to point out all the things I'm doing wrong. It doesn't matter how hard I'm working. It doesn't matter how much progress we make. If we have one thing that goes wrong in public, right, you're labeled as bad or you're doing it wrong or there's, you know, shame on you or all these things that we do to each other. And, and we have no concept. And, you know, my favorite part was when the person took both dogs and it's, you know, it was a guy that was bigger than me. He took both dogs on, he says, let me take them. And they just jerked him around the way they were jerking me around. I'm like, yeah, they're strong, right? I mean, it's over a hundred pounds of energy going in multiple directions. It's, it's worse than one hundred pound dog, which I've had. That was bad enough. Two dogs, you know, flying around in different directions with a lot of, you know, they're strong. It's hard. And of course, there was a whole diatribe on, do you do this? Do you do that? And just like, I don't ever want to talk to you again. So it's, uh, uh, these are the day ins and the day outs, you know, these are the things that we dismiss, but, you know, I come home and I think about this stuff because uh, I need to sort out, well, what, what was really happening in that pro process and what do I want to do different and what was real versus what is their stuff and their stuff, you know, I can think about the course of a conversation and what the repeating patterns are and what's mine and what are my repeating patterns that I want to keep or that I want to dismiss. And, you know, I think one of the reasons people are retreating and hiding out so much is the less, the more powerless and out of control we feel uh, seems to be some kind of permission to be more judgmental and controlling of everybody else and what's wrong with everybody else. That's the shaming and blaming I can't stand, right? And and these are all, you know, trying to shame, uh, you know, little kids about not having quote unquote right or correct thinking is ridiculous, right? I mean, we were all stupid when we were adolescence and early 20s because you don't know anything yet you haven't had any real life experience I mean there's a reason why everything happens and it's this sort of you know the fear response is also us reacting to what we feel powerless and vulnerable within and you know we don't have a lot of things we can do I think you know that's one of the the, the advantages of understanding it as push-pull-pause, a fight-flight-freeze, is that it simplifies these ideas instead of focusing on what's happening. So instead of focusing on this person complaining about my dogs, uh, you know, it's not about that. It's about them, the way they feel about things. And I have to step back and say, okay, what's really happening? Is, is that person projecting onto me? Yes. Uh, is there some validity in what he's talking about? Yes. Am I doing the best I can? Yes. Am I perfect? Not even close. And it is humbling, you know, when we look at our own limitations. And it's important to remember that we don't know everything that's going on with everybody else. You know, I have this, I say this all the time, you know, everybody is doing the best they can in any given moment. And really, it's just never good enough, right? And that's just reality. It will never be perfect. Everybody is doing the best they can at any given moment, and it's never going to be good enough. And 
we can either keep trying to control what we feel powerless over, pouting, blaming, pointing fingers, uh, you know, reacting to our feelings of powerless, or, you know, we can keep holding on to some imaginary levels of perfection, you know, that are going to never exist. You know, as women cutting our bodies up, spending a fortune on creams to, you know, not look old, you know, or can we just let things go and say, you know what, I'm doing the best I can. And I get it. It's not perfect. And it's, uh, you know, it's not good enough. But really, we're all doing the best we can at any given moment. And this thing that we've got about judging everybody else to their degree of some perfect idea it's never going to happen. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody is perfect. There's the illusion of perfection. And we have moments of great joy when we have something go well. But the reality is there's nothing that's perfect. And the reality that we're feeling more and more powerless and how we react to that is our fear. That's our fear. That's our stress response. That's our energy moving around trying to compensate for this feeling of vulnerability about all the things that we're powerless about. And that is just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, the only way I can see to navigate all of this isn't more control and more perfection. And it's not more power over. It's the ability to, to move around fluidly with everything because you don't know what's going to happen to you. You don't know what's going to happen to the people that you care about. You don't know what's going to happen to your region, right? You don't like your phone went out. Mine didn't go out. We don't have control over how all of this plays out. All we can do is manage it and ride the wave as best we can. The more skills we have, the more awareness we have, And when you process these tiny little things that are irritating out and you start to see the patterns, then I think it's really valuable because now you can plant new seeds. And that's how things really change. They don't change by Oprah having a statement about don't go to the second location. They change because women are aware that we don't, at that time, you know, we don't like feeling powerless. And the seed had become planted that maybe we aren't as powerless as we thought. And this new seed got planted in that fertile ground. Well, maybe it's okay to fight back. And how that has changed in our consciousness in many ways. So that's just one example of of many. But I really liked uh, the, the dog park example, because it was one idea for one person who did the work, followed by a bunch of other people who did the work. And that's how things change. They don't change by pointing fingers and blaming and saying F you and going home and pouting and making everybody else wrong or fe- or beating yourself up, right? Making yourself wrong. It changes because you have to take a step back and say, okay, what's really happening here? And, you know, one of the reasons people developed dog parks was because in the public, everybody was complaining about the dogs, right? So let's create a place where the dogs are protected and dogs can be dogs. And then all the people came in 
with their dogs. And then, you know, there's all kinds of issues with that. We as people are the biggest problem, <laughs> not everything else. Everything else has pretty standard rules. Uh, we the people are the big problem. So the more we understand about we the people, I think it's not that we're going to control things and have things go perfectly. We're in a time of massive discomfort with how uncertain everything is. But it's the people that are the fluid factor in all this, not the events. And, uh, and that's, to me, the value of these tiny moments of thought about, okay, why, is, why am I overreacting to this experience? Because I can't tell the person what I really think, so I'm going to take it out on the dogs. Trying to compensate for him being uncomfortable, I'm trying to control my dogs who are not controllable every minute of every day. Is it possible? Maybe somebody else can do better, right? But I am doing the best I can. So that to me is, is you know, that I get to make decisions about how I want to move forward without blaming that person, without blaming the dogs, without blaming myself. I just get to make different decisions and that's how you make peace, right? Okay, I can make different decisions. What, what do I still have the ability to manage? And, and I'm powerless over who shows up when and where, uh, you know, because then some other one person with crazy dogs came in and so then I left. So there's only little pieces of all of that's happening around us right now that we still have any power over. And that is very uncomfortable to be in kind of this mass collective feeling of powerlessness. And, and you're seeing how we're all reacting to that. Uh, and it's going to just get worse. And that to me is the worst part is that we've only just begun all of this. So I think the more we can understand it, you know, the better we are that we'll navigate through it. But I am with all of you when I say it sucks and I don't like it, but you know, this is happening and we're all doing the best we can at any given moment and it will never be good enough. So the decision is, can I let that go and make peace with that? Or do I just get more and more upset about my powerlessness in so many things that are happening? All right. So that was a lot longer than I thought, but I think it's important. So Deep breath, my friends, and I will see you next time.